All right, football fans, welcome to the NFL Week 13 recap. This is a week that promised to be the best week of the year, and it absolutely delivered. We got Omar Yusuf on the call. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. Doing well. Just trying to get over this disaster of fourth quarter witness. Tom Brady, man. Tom, the, the combination of Tom Brady and, and, and a coach like Dennis Allen, and that's that's what you get. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, you get a you get a recipe for that, I guess. Yeah, big time. Anyway, moving on to the the, the first game of this uh, slate. You know, there were a lot of good games. This one wasn't one of them. Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Atlanta Falcons nineteen to sixteen. A couple of mediocre teams playing in the mid bowl. What did you think of this one? Yeah, you know, I, so I kind of watched this one in spurts a little bit. Um, I was a little surprised. I expected a little bit more out of Atlanta, to be honest. I didn't. I mean, I don't think they're like a good team or anything. But like you said, it's the mid bowl. It's you don't really have much going on. So I thought that the Falcons would have been more motivated because. They were just leading the division like two weeks ago, so you know it was kind of there for them. But what's interesting now is I think the Steelers somehow have like a shot. <laughs> they have a shot at this like wild card spot. I think they play. Who did they play? I think the Panthers and the Jaguars. No, the Ravens and I think the Panthers coming up. So they win those and they're at five hundred, and I think that's totally doable. So that was kind of like my big thing here. I think. Um, Drake London had a good game. He kind of just showed you what he can do if they throw him the ball. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, man. Other than that, I don't really – there's not really much that stood out to me about this game. Yeah, you know, it's looking more and more like um, after this bye week, I think the Falcons have a bye. After this bye week, we, we might be seeing Desmond Ritter. I think, I think it might be time. Uh, even though, like you mentioned, the Falcons have been in contention – in contention in the NFC South means you're way below 500. I mean, at least a game or two below 500, and I think they they are here still, at least two or three games below 500. Um, you know, you were mentioning in the, in the, in the group chat, uh, George Pickens. This guy's been a, a starter for like five games at this point, and he's already being a classic wide receiver diva begging for the ball, MFing players out there, and... I think it's a big shame because I I like his game. I think he has potential to be, you know, one of the better receivers in the league. So to see this out of him already, I don't know. Some people call it passion. Some people call it. But I don't know. It, it, it's, it's not a good so look. This was actually um, this was actually a thing with him. I think coming out like I I hate like I hate to kind of put it on guys that you know we don't know, especially since you know he just started. Like I don't know. Um, and, you know, to your point, I feel like in some situations it can be passion and in other situations it can be selfish. You know, we'll just have to wait and see kind of like how this goes. But this was, you know, there were rumblings of stuff like this with him when he was coming out. And that's actually one of the reasons I like, you know, we were looking for the Cowboys were looking for a receiver. And this is one of the reasons that I was a little lukewarm on him. Like he, he can play for sure. He's a great, you know, rookie wide receiver. But if you're like complaining like your 10th game into your career, you know, it's a little like, eh. Yeah, it could be a bad sign. I mean, we'll see, you know. But anyway, moving on to the uh, the owner of the, uh, the the Bears here, the Green Bay Packers beating the Chicago Bears 28-19. to The Bears were ahead for most of this game. But you know what? They just don't know how to win. 3-10. and 
they don't. Yeah, you said it perfectly. They're they're a young, very young team, and like I I've been saying, like Justin Fields has been playing well. Like you know, he's been very explosive, but they there's just a losing culture there right now. I mean, I feel like it's carried over from the past few years, but then you throw into the mix the fact that everybody's so young. Uh, you know, I don't. I'm not surprised. You know, I, I I thought the Packers would win, but what about Christian Watson, man? He he's been like going off these last like six weeks, um, or has it even been six weeks? Maybe it's just been like three or four. I don't know. But yeah, man, he's he's looking like a player. Like I I liked him coming out of the draft actually, but I felt like he was very raw. But I mean, of course, you know, leave it to Rodgers to kind of you know elevate him and elevate his play and I think that's what we're seeing right now I'd be willing to bet that maybe 50% of his catches have been touchdowns just based on every time I see him catch it it's a touchdown so there's tremendous efficiency in his game between and and that rapport between him and and Rodgers AJ Dillon had a great game he's their backup running back but he had 100 yards I think in this game or over 100 yards rushing and it's as simple as Aaron Rodgers just continues to own the Bears, and he gave him a salute at the end of this game here after he had, you know, concluded the uh, the the ownage again. And I didn't see it coming. I thought the Bears were going to pull this out. Uh, that amazing, like you said, that amazing Justin Fields run where he just runs past everyone. This guy's a really special runner, and I thought they had this game, but this is a winning culture versus a losing culture. Bottom line. Moving on to the Detroit Lions beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 40-14. to And I'll tell you what, this Lions offense looks scary again. I've been saying it, man. <laughs> I've been saying it at the risk of like my own reputation. I've been saying it, that this offense has potential. And you throw in Jameson Williams, like when he gets healthy, like Ooh. this offense can be something... This is a team I would watch out for down the stretch. I don't know if they can make the playoffs. Like, I mean, they have a shot, actually. But this is a team I would watch out for, man. And they just have to make sure that their defense can continue to kind of be not, hor- not horrible, basically, if that's kind of like the standard. And just really lean on this offense and that, that passing game. Uh, you know, Jared Goff, 21 of, 31 of 41, 340 yards. Mm. That's pretty impressive. Like... You know, it's the opponent's not impressive, but the fact that they hung 40, anytime you can score 40 in the NFL is impressive in and of itself. So uh, I, I, I'm going to keep an eye on this team, actually, and see how they look, especially with Williams coming back. Just get him off gunner duty. I don't know what they're thinking with that. But, uh, yeah. you know, put him in that lineup and let's see how this goes. You know, DeAndre Swift is a transcendent runner, and he had a transcendent run in this game. And just like most running backs, I say when healthy, when healthy, DeAndre Swift, you know, this guy, he has amazing cuts and amazing speed. He's really one of the best running backs in the league when he's healthy, and he showed that in this game. Uh, Jamal Williams also, I think, had at least one touchdown or a couple. He has 14 touchdowns on the year. That's a big recipe for them for having success. You know, Jamal Williams having a nose for the end zone. Um the Jaguars' defense, though, I will say, has taken a pretty big step back since their promising start to the season. You know, they had 
a lot of big um, you know rookie acquisitions, and they had looked er- good early in the season, but they're really trying. You know, they're, they're really starting to, and I think this this hap- this is happening to some rookies. Once you reach that twelfth, thirteenth game, which is what you usually pay, play in college, uh, I guess their bodies are not used to uh, playing anymore. So that's kind of when they hit that rookie wall. I think that's happening to a lot of these players on the Jacksonville defense. So here's a question for you: Have you anywhere heard anybody talking or saying anything about Trayvon Walker? Not, not after week two or three. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, this has been the quietest number one overall pick. I, th- I mean, I don't even know if he's playing well. Like, I don't know, but it's just like nobody's talking about it at all. Exactly, exactly. There was some talk very early in the season, but he has completely, completely dropped off. That's kind of what's happening to them, you know. Their their defense is falling. I thought last week they looked good on offense, but 14 points, not gonna do it. Yeah. Minnesota Vikings beating the New York Jets 27 to 22. This essentially, you know, like I mentioned in, in the um, in the pick'em show, came down to Mike White with the ball with a chance to win the game, and picked off by a veterans uh, veteran Viking defense you think good game i mean it was a little it was a little stagnant for a while but i think it picked up towards the end of the game um yeah i you know i i picked the vikings to win this game because despite some recent talk the vikings are a good team i don't i don't think they're like a juggernaut or anything but they're a good team and i think you saw that here the jets man i (laughs) You know, I, I still think that that defense is great, and I still think they're a good team overall. I think they were just, you know, all respect to Mike White. I, you know, we drafted Mike White years ago, and it's turned out to be a really good pick. He was a late round pick, but you know, I think they were a little out, outmatched here at the end, like in, ter- in terms of like uh, the quarterback uh, dis- discrepancy here, because he just couldn't make the play at the end. Uh, and again, I don't think that I don't think we need to look at it as anything beyond what it is. I'm not saying he can't start next week or anything like that, but I think you know this was a game where he just couldn't beat a good team on the road. So that was kind of like my takeaway from, from this one. And I don't think Justin Jefferson did much this game at all. I think they they played him pretty well. So for the Vikings to win without like their star wide receiver going off, I think I think that's. Uh, you know, it kind of speaks to the quality of their, of their team. Yeah. I'm not going to take anything away from the Jets in this game at all either. You know, Mike White had an amazing connection with Corey Davis on 4th and 10 with the game on the line. Uh, it was an amazing pass and an amazing catch. And as they bring Corey Davis back in, into this offense to pair him with uh, Garrett Wilson, who also had an incredible, incredible game, 10-plus catches, 160-plus or 140-plus receiving yards, He's really emerging as one of the better uh, rookie wide receivers. And even on their defense, you know, Quan Alexander had a huge tackle for loss of Dalvin Cook to keep the game alive there in the fourth quarter and give Mike White a chance to uh, to come back and win this game. But I didn't know that the Cowboys drafted Mike White. What happened? Did, did, did they cut him? Did they? What, what happened? I think you're on mute, by the way. I'd have to double-check, but I think they just let him go at some point. Um, you know, I think... What's happened, and this was before Mike McCarthy's got here, but like we started this this philosophy 
picked it up from the Patriots where you draft and develop guys to see what they got. You know, always just try to draft a quarterback, like late round, whatever. And I think it was just a situation where we had him, you know, he was uh, number two or three on the roster, and, you know, we kind of just let him go. Uh, I, I remember wanting to hold on to him, though, because I thought we saw enough of him where he could have been a really good number two uh, or a really good number, uh, reserve quarterback. So I'm not surprised at, you know, how his career has kind of played out. Yeah, I think he'll definitely hold on to this job for the, the, the rest of the year, and he'll continue to, you know, get better. And it'll be interesting to see what the Jets do as the, uh, the season progresses. But we're going to move on to the uh, to the most unsatisfactory result of the day, the Washington Commanders tying the New York Giants 2020. I guess they've been watching a lot of soccer, uh, really digging in on this tie. You know, I thought this was um, I thought this was a real pick'em coming in, to be honest. Uh, and it's amazing how evenly matched these these teams are in your NFC East division. Yeah, yeah. Um... I'm looking at it right now. I think it's funny. I, I feel like the commander's offense, if I can remember, I think they played better. At least it seemed like they played better than outplayed the, the, the Giants. But they kind of let the Giants back in as the game went on. And then that fourth quarter was, you know, at that point, it just kind of turned into like a toss-up. And it's kind of interesting to me that at the end of the game, neither neither team could really make a play to to win the game at that point. And I, it also, one thing I noticed was, you know, when you get to a certain point in, in OT, are you playing for the win or are you just playing not to lose, right? Because, like, what if you get hyper-aggressive oh, yeah. and you end up losing? So I saw some of that play out in this game. But, yeah, like you said, I, I feel like this was a true pickup. I didn't. I didn't really see much separation from these teams. It's going to be interesting to see when they play again, which, by the way, I don't think it's next week. I think it's the week after. I, I think I messed that up. But I think one of the teams has a bye. And then, yeah. you know, Washington, and then they play right at – but that's that's two consecutive – The Washington plays play the Giants, and then they're going to play them again right after their bye. So that's back-to-back for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It would be hilarious if they tied again, to be quite honest. And it's absolutely I – I, I, I want that to happen. <laughs> Can you imagine? And it's absolutely possible. You know, you you mentioned this. Uh, so Washington punted uh, like in, in overtime on fourth down with four minutes left in overtime, they, and they were right outside of field goal range, by the way. And then the Giants got the ball, and they did the same thing with two minutes left in the game. Like, what do they think is gonna? Ha- There's only ten minutes left in overtime. You know, they played for the tie, and they got their tie. And that's what they deserved, honestly. They, they deserved to be a tie. They none of them wanted to win. They wanted to be conservative and, and tie this game. And yeah. I will say one thing about uh, about the Giants. I have to say, I coming into this year, I, I I really thought all they were was Saquon, and I thought they had some. I, I thought Kadarius Tony was a good re- receiver, and I thought uh, uh, Galladay was, was a good receiver. And I thought that's really all they had, but I have to say, Daniel jo- Jones makes some sneaky good plays. I have to say, he's like he's a he, he's a very fast uh, runner. He's very elusive. I think I heard a stat today that he might be the ninth quarterback all time to have like 700 rushing yards and like 3,000 pass yards or something something like that. So he's just like 
compiling yards and this guy Darius Slayton, I picked him up on one of my fantasy teams a few weeks ago. He's not bad. I know he drops quite a few balls, but they give him a lot of volume. But I don't think he's that bad. And of course, Saquon, you know, when healthy, he's also a very, very fast runner. So it, it, it just looks like I'm starting to see a little bit of why they have seven wins at this point in the year. Uh, I don't know that they can contend for, for any anything, you know, after possibly the last playoff spot. But I am seeing, like, little things about their offense that are a little bit intriguing. Yeah, I, I, I think what I've noticed is this year, Brian Dable's come in and he's really catered a lot more to Daniel Jones' strengths as a runner. Uh, I see a lot more design runs, especially like sweeps to the outside. I see a lot more bootlegs, things of that, things of that nature. And, uh, you know, Jones is interesting because to me, he is like the quintessential, like, what do you do with him? Like, are you like, that's going to be a big thing for them this off season, right? It's like, do you resign him? Do you tag him? Do you like, let him, like, what are you going to do with him? Mm. And I think that's obviously, you know, going to be their biggest off season decision here. Um, I think it's completely possible. I could see a scenario where they bring him back because Dable, like you said, it seems to really be maximizing his skill set. And, I mean, I know, like, we clown on him, like, here and there, like, but he's not, like, horrendous. You know, he's not, like, I wouldn't say he's, like, a bottom five quarterback or anything. Like, it's nothing like that. I think, you know, and I clown on the Giants and their record and everything, but the fact is their record is their record. They've won seven games, so that means something, like you're saying. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, 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 it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out over the next few weeks. Yeah, and speaking of Dayball, uh, I almost forgot to mention this, but I'm noticing a pattern with some of these coordinators that become coaches, but their appearance still looks like coordinators. And the way that they appear to the public as coaches is by wearing sunglasses. I don't know if you notice this, but like, you know, Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins did that last week. Brian Dayball did that this week. And that's how you know that they're the coach because no, none of these coordinators are going to be wearing sunglasses, but the coaches are wearing sunglasses. I've never known. I'm, I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. It was just so interesting. You know, like that's how they stand out. Because Brian Dayboy is like, he's not like a coach looking guy. He's like this big, you know, like he'd probably be yeah. like a, um, but I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But uh, move on to to another NFC East team, Philadelphia Eagles beating the Tennessee Titans 35-10. to 10. I didn't see this coming. This was the A.J. Brown revenge game, and he went off in this game. He finally did something. Yeah, I um, I know I hate like I jokingly hate on, on on the Eagles a lot, but to be quite honest, I I felt like this was the most impressive win this past week. I know we'll get to like a couple of other games, but I felt like this for for them to really dominate Tennessee, uh, who is a good team, uh, the way that they did, you know, speaks volumes about who they are, like their their the quality of their team. I think Jalen Hurts played really well. Uh, you know, this game more than others that I've seen from him, I felt like he was a lot better at passing, you know, moving the ball down the field. Uh, AJ Brown was dominant in this game. I still think he got away with the PI on that one touchdown, but I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that this says a lot that the Eagles are a good team. Like, I, I cannot take that away from them. And, 
I, you know, credit to Naya for also, uh, I was talking to him after the game, you know, with Jordan Davis back, that defense looks really good. Like the run defense looks a lot better than they've looked recently. So uh, that's going to be something to keep an eye on uh, moving forward. You know, he, he might help shore up that run defense. For the Titans, man, I here's the thing. Like with, with Tennessee, like when, when Derrick Henry is rolling, they're like rolling. Like when that run game is like they're tough to stop. They have so much trouble playing games like these where they have to keep up with a high-powered offense. Like, if, if they let an offense get going, they're going to have a lot of trouble. And we saw that here. They just they, The Titans did not control the tempo of the game, and that, I think, is ultimately what lost them the game. Like you mentioned, the Eagles looked more well-rounded in this game than I'd ever seen before. I mean, this is a new Eagles that I, that I saw in this game, to be honest with you. Maybe I should have been paying more attention closely because they do have a great record. I think the best in the league. So, um, and as for the Titans, Traylon Burks uh, made an amazing touchdown catch and was immediately knocked out of the game. I mean, he they, they crunched him. You know, look, he was Safety just there. should have been ejected for that. Yeah, that was totally that was absolutely egregious. He he and he held onto the ball even after you know that thing that posing thing you do when you have like a concussion or whatever you're knocked out yeah, yeah, yeah. he still held on to the ball i think that was you know it was an amazing catch but once your your best wide receiver is knocked out of the game like that some of his teammates were probably shook and they just didn't look like themselves after that uh, i i want to say overall you're right titans are a little bit inconsistent but i thought that that play really set the tone for the rest of the game and they didn't really have a have a chance after that. So I hope Burks is okay. I think he's a great, great receiver and that he's able to come back from that. Um, yeah, moving now to the Den- the uh, Baltimore Ravens beating the Denver Broncos 10-9. to I thought this was going to be a 9-7 win by the Broncos. It was almost that, but Huntley replacing Lamar was the best thing that happened to this team because Huntley actually led a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. Oh, man. <laughs> um, oh, here he is. Hey, cool guy. Okay. Is, is that a, is that a mustache? Yeah, man. I let, I let the beard uh, go. Nice. What Welcome. is it like? Fifty degrees Celsius at like six o'clock in the morning. There. It's not actually. It's like twenty-six degrees, man. It's unbelievable. Oh. Nice, it looks yeah, nice. Yeah, this is like this is this is cold for us, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Naif, it's great to have you on, man. We're just we just started talking about the Baltimore Ravens beating the Denver Broncos. Uh what did you think of this? Did uh, you watch it? I, 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 I wouldn't characterize it as the Baltimore Ravens beating the Denver Broncos. What would you characterize it? I would characterize it as Russell Wilson beating the Denver Broncos. Okay. Fair enough. That's, that's a horrible game, man. Every game that they play, man, they just look worse and worse. Every game is like the worst game ever for the Broncos. <laughs> I feel bad for that whole entire defense. Uh, Russell Wilson sucks. That's what I think. What do you guys think? That's, yeah, that's that's uh, the popular opinion. Oh, why? Do you agree? I mean, he sucks this year, that's for sure. Like, I can't, like, I can't say otherwise. I'm... Bro, I was so I didn't watch much of this game, but I kind of kept an eye on it. 
it was like nine to three until in, into the fourth quarter. And I was like, oh, okay, I think the Ravens are going to win this game because I think they're going to clamp down. The defense is going to stop them. Maybe the offense can like kick another field goal and like they'll win. And then I look back and the Ravens are up in the nine. It's like what? At that point, I knew I was like, bro, this is going to be a bad week for that Broncos locker room. Like <laughs> you yeah. don't want to be in that locker room. At least if you're, at least if you're Russell. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, the Broncos offense again, like you mentioned. Uh, they didn't do diddly squat in this game like they don't do every single week. Uh, Russ, I think at this point, is an undercover agent for the Seahawks. I really am enjoying what he's doing because at, right now, uh, the, the Broncos have the number three pick in the draft. Okay, And if the Bears manage to win another game and the Broncos keep losing, they can move up to number two. Can you imagine the Seahawks having the number two pick in, in the draft after this season? I think that would be absolutely incredible. And I salute Agent Russell Wilson for his service. And we'll see. I, I think the Ravens would benefit from Hundley uh, st- continuing to be their quarterback. I think he's more round, well-rounded as a runner and a passer. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what as happens. A as a runner and a passer, I think he's mel- more well-rounded. Uh, he's definitely a better passer Lamar than Lamar. Ja- Lamar Jackson's top five running back in the NFL. Running back. That we yeah. agree on. But we'll move on now to the Cleveland Browns beating the Houston Texans 27-14. to uh, This was this was assault, essentially. Um, Texans are not even an NFL team. Uh, there was not a we're single... Talking on, we're talking on the field, not off the field. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Touché, Omar. Yeah, that was extremely well well timed. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't a single offensive touchdown uh, until less than two minutes left in this game. Not a single offensive touchdown. What did y'all see? So I I said this when we were picking these games that what happened unless Deshaun like is affected by all of the off field noise. Which also happened because he played horrendous. Like he was bad. Um, like I don't. I'm not surprised because he hasn't played in like two years. So I would expect there to him to have some rust. But um, yeah, man, this was just a horrible offensive game. I think the Browns like somehow got by with their defense, their special teams, like Donovan Peoples Jones getting that return. That's the only reason they won this game. But if if you don't have that, then the teams, the two teams that showed up, you know, on Sunday, that, that was just horrible football, like offensive football, I think. Uh, and I think Cleveland was, it just, you know, I, I can't say this for sure, but it just seems like they were affected by a lot of, like, the, everything else going on in this game. They should have, like, just dominated. But like you said, we didn't see that until, like, late, much later in this game. Yeah. Naif, are there any uh, Saudi football teams that could play against the Texans to give them an even game? Honestly, I think that the Mum Eagles could take them. Seriously. I'd love to see it. Seriously. The uh, Falcons. The Mum Falcons, I'm sure. No, they're called the Mum Eagles. Oh, are they? Uh, horrible, I, I, I thought all the teams yeah, there were the Falcons. Name. Horrible name. But, uh, yeah, man, I agree with uh, a lot with uh, what OY said. I mean, yeah. Hopefully it's just the first game for Deshaun and all that. But honestly, my biggest takeaway is 
all that neg- negative and bad press that they received, and this is what it was for. It's kind of tough, man, if that's what we're going to get out of Deshaun Watson. Obviously, we, we look for him to play better, but if that whole weight and just taking all that negative uh, press was for that, God, you, know, you could have stuck with Jacoby Brissett and probably won this game. Uh, more handily, or at least put up points on the board. Watson didn't look good at all, at all. I mean, there there were some plays where he was like leading Amari Cooper into a defender. Pretty sure Cooper is not happy with the QB play. Uh, he was building rapport with uh, Brissett, or so it seemed like. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna agree with OI. I'm gonna say it's just a game. It's been two years for him almost, and that's probably why. But if Deshaun Watson isn't Superman by the end of the year, this is going to look horrible for the Browns. You know, I said I said last week that the Browns should think twice before uh, bringing Watson back here because, like you mentioned, they have a great rapport with Brissett. Brissett has been playing serviceable, really. I mean, uh, like you said, he has a good rapport with, with Amari Cooper and also Donovan Peoples-Jones is like really emerging as a player. And if this wasn't against the Texans, they could have very well lost this game. They probably would have lost this game. And it sends a weird message to your fan base here as you're trying to fight for that last playoff spot that you're going to put in this guy with two years of rust and only play him because you're, how much you're paying him, essentially. It'll be interesting to see next week uh, if he starts playing badly, whether they put Brissett in the game uh, to give him a better chance of winning. I'm really looking forward to what happens there. But the story of this game was the Cleveland defense, really. I mean, they just did what they needed to do and took advantage of, of what the, the Texans gave them, and that was it. So we'll move now to the uh, the afternoon window, the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Kansas City Chiefs 27-24. to And the Bengals continue to own Mahomes and the Chiefs. Okay, so here's my big picture takeaway. Joe Burrow is that dude. Like, he is, like, I've been, like, I love the guy. And it's funny because he won me over. I, I was initially a doubter when he was drafted. I didn't know, you know, how good he would be in the pros, but he's won me over. And I'll go even one more. I think he's the second best quarterback in the league. I think wow. he can be, I think he can be the guy who can compete with Mahomes. He's obviously doing it right now, he's beating him three times. And, you know, he is what everybody was saying Josh Allen was to me. Like, if I was going to rank these top three, it would be Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen right now. Mm. Um, And the thing is, is the Bengals are hot right now, man. The Bengals are hot. Like, I've always thought, at least all season, I've thought that they're a good team. They just, you know, need to find their groove a little bit. Now they're they're, uh, on a roll. They're getting Jamar back. This is a dangerous team heading into the playoffs in the AFC. So that's something to keep an eye out. Uh, for the Chiefs, you know, I, they lost, but I, they didn't look bad. I think they still looked good. You know, they're still the Chiefs. I think the Bengals just had their number today. So I, would, I wouldn't I would be surprised if we see these two teams play again in the playoffs. And it's definitely something that we should probably keep an eye on. Absolutely. NF, what did you and your sunglasses see in this game? Yeah, man, I mean, just, uh, my biggest thing was everybody's got their own kryptonite, right? Uh, Cowboys have Aaron Rodgers. The Raiders have Derek Carr. And uh, Wait, 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 wait. The Cowboys have Derek Carr? They just won three straight. 
No, no, I said the Cowboys have Aaron Rodgers. You Aaron Rodgers is the Cowboys script tonight. Derek Carr is you meant to the say Raiders script. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, the, the Raiders. You said the Raiders, but they won three in a row. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, it's sorry. Keep, keep going, keep going. He's the worst quarterback in the NFL. Okay. Anyway, uh, moving on. And yeah, I guess Mahomes has uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, I think he's 3-0 and now against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, that's what I saw. Um, yeah. I still think Mahomes is a better QB. Burrow's definitely up there. And he got his uh, favorite target back. And they were gelling. They were gelling. Uh, I, th- I think it says a lot more about Jamar Chase than uh, anything else because they looked like a completely different team when he was out in those few games. When he was throwing to Boyd and Higgins. Uh, yeah, the Bengals look good, man. Uh, Samaj J.P. Ryan was playing well. Uh, and they just won the game. They won another game against the Chiefs. That's what I saw. Yeah. But I, 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 I don't think it takes away anything from the Chiefs. I still think they're yeah. up there in terms of contenders. They're, they're, they're still the team to beat. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, mm-hmm. we, we, we need to remember the Bengals were in the Super Bowl last year. They're yeah. Not a bad team. The devil is uh, in that's the. My yeah, the devil is in the depth of the Bengals here. When you talk about Samaj P. Ryan being like a backup runner and being this elite. And not only that, I'm going to keep pounding the table for T Higgins. This guy would be a number one receiver on any other team. He has tremendous fundamentals catching the ball. He reminds me of Larry Fitzgerald actually. And to have a play like Tyler Boyd that dropped a wide open touchdown pass in this game and managed to, you know, stay in the game after that. And, and, um, you know, like you mentioned, they're getting Jamar Chase back. Just so many weapons. And even Joe Burrow as a runner, there was a play in this game where he was an actual running back. Like he got skinny and then went through a hole, you know, like a, a, between two linemen. You don't see quarterbacks do that kind of thing. And he f- was following his blockers like a running back. And this is becoming a really big part of his game, this running game for Joe Burrow. And I didn't realize he had that in his repertoire. And that's one of the big reasons why, you know, you're looking for like little edges. That's one of that's one of them that this team has and this quarterback has. So it'll be interesting. I think these teams are probably going to meet again in the playoffs, if I were to guess. But we'll move now to my Seattle Seahawks beating the Los Angeles Rams 27-23. to Eking out a victory in the game. They had no business keeping the Rams close in. This was... 2-2 Atwell and Skronik, I mean, the, the, the consonant guy, I don't know how to say his last name, and Cam Akers, a guy that didn't want to be on the team, shouldn't have even been on the team, uh, having no running backs, having no Aaron Donald, it was just basically Bobby Wagner trying to fire up his team and Jalen Ramsey trying to, to, to get in DK Metcalf's head, and that was almost enough for them to win this game. I was really disgusted by the Seahawks defense as I continue to be. They're really, really pathetic outside of maybe Thought It Woolen, who actually now uh, leads the league in interceptions, oddly enough. Uh, and he broke a, a record for the Seahawks for the most interceptions by a, by a rookie. And I think he's a, a legitimate defensive player of the year, especially having to play with uh, 10 other players that, that, that don't play at all on the defense, essentially. Um, Tony Jones here. Ken Walker got injured. 
Uh, Homer Simpson already w- was injured out of this game. DJ Dallas got injured in this game. They were down basically to just Tony Jones at, at running back. And I thought he he served um, he served them admirably. I think he he had some good some some good runs. Um, I thought another another thing I noticed was that the Rams crowd was surprisingly loud, and I want to get a full investigation into whether that's artificial crowd noise because I've really never seen that before in Los Angeles. So um, this was Gino's first. It's probably game. fake, like everything else there. You're absolutely right. But I want a full into investigation into that because that almost cost the Seahawks this game. They couldn't hear the cadences. Seahawks have been doing that for, for decades now. Artificial noise? Yeah. How dare you? That you know, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we might have to sue you for slander on that because the the, the way that uh, Lumen Field is built is actually made so that uh, sound is kept inside. So it's actually incredible architecture. And um, how dare you say that? Because that's incorrect. But I'm going to touch on your boy here, and I want you to talk about it. This is Gino's first game-winning drive since 2014. In eight years, this was his first game-winning drive. He had six chances from when he became the Seahawks starter last year um, until now uh, in those few games to have a game-winning drive, and he hadn't had it until today. Speak about your boy from Dub VU. Clutch, man. The guy's clutch. Um... First off, let me just say, I think this game wouldn't have been as close if Kenneth Walker didn't get hurt early. I think he would have been well on his way to maybe a 200-yard game. Uh, I think he ripped off his first three carries for like almost 40 yards before he got hurt. But after that, it was just, uh, you guys were just down at RB. Like you said, uh, I think Travis Homer was out. DJ Dallas got hurt. And I, I didn't think Tony Jones looked good at all, man. But um, yeah, I think with the running game, Seahawks would have killed the Rams because that's what you kind of needed for for a bit. Just kind of back and forth. Uh, your defense didn't play that bad. I mean, they were going against John Wolford, three two picks, I think, and uh, like 140 yards. But Gino, uh, Gino came through at the end. That was, that was a beautiful final drive. Um, and honestly, at WU, you can see this. He has it in him. He kind of had it in him initially with the Jets. I think his first ever start during his rookie year. Well, he had a game-winning drive against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think there was like some unnecessary roughness on Levante David that let the field goal, and they won that game. So he's got it in him. Uh, not sure why he didn't pull it off the first five times, but that's not something I'm worried about. I think Gina could be clutch, and he showed that he could be clutch. Mm. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, why? Uh, yeah, so I would, I think I would just echo a lot of what Knives is saying. I, you know, I think it's, it's hard to expect, um, blowout victories, like, in divisional road games. It's just because the teams know each other so well. Um, even if, you know, the Rams are a little banged up. So I wouldn't be too hard on, on your, on your team about this. You know, the fact that they got the win is probably the most important thing for you. And, you know, like we said, Seahawks were experiencing a little turbulence the last few weeks, so they needed to get this win no matter what. And Gino looked good, like doing it. Like you know, he—that's probably the second most important thing—is that your quarterback looked good. I think he had like three touchdowns in this game. So once you get um, once you get Walker back, mm-hmm. I think uh, you know 
you want to like have him healthy for the stretch run. But I will say this: I think we need to start giving Tyler Lockett his flowers. Mm. I think like I think that receiving core is very underrated. Lockett and Metcalf, it's probably one of the top, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten receiving cores in the league. And I think they deserve a lot more recognition than they get because it's definitely not talked of. I have a nickname for that duo, by the way. Sorry to cut you off. What is it? DK taking shits Metcalf and Tyler take no hits Lockett. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, Lockett definitely takes no hits. He definitely, like, drops to the ground right after he gets the ball. I like that. I like that duo name. Another thing I will mention here, as I listen to a lot of you know uh, Seattle sports radio and a lot of these these Seahawks uh, channels like podcasts and stuff, uh, Ken Walker has actually already started like a line of merch, and he just became the Seattle uh, running back. And I started thinking to myself, a lot of these running backs because they have such short careers nowadays. I think it's like strategic for them to start building like their business way 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 early and it's starting to happen and I didn't expect it to be this early because he literally just became the starter and he's a rookie but it's something I think maybe a lot of these running backs agents are starting to tell them to do start your business really early because you may not have a long career so I thought that was interesting but we'll move now to uh, AFC West game the Las Vegas Raiders beating the Los Angeles Chargers 27 to 20 and if you'll allow me here, I just want to, to, to say one thing. Um, if you're Green Bay, how the hell do you do all of that research on Devontae Adams? Okay? You find this diamond in the rough, an unheralded guy, you know, uh, getting drafted. And then you, you draft him. And then you develop him and turn him into one of the best wide receivers in the league. And then you just let him go. That is absolutely criminal, absolutely criminal by by the Packers. What did you guys see in this game? Nah, if you got the floor, man. I saw Devontae Adams ball out. You, you're uh, damn right you saw him ball out. This guy yeah, is incredible. Yeah. Best wide receiver in Devontae, the league. Devontae Adams against the Chargers, and Devontae Adams won. Uh, Derek Carr had no part in this game. Uh, I think John Wolford could have won this game with the way Devontae Adams was playing. Um, yeah, man, I just thought Devontae Adams fall out. This guy is incredible. Incredible. Um, and it's, it says something that he's playing so well this year without Rodgers. And the Raiders stuck. It says a lot about Derek Carr. And uh, that's what I saw, honestly. The Chargers just couldn't get the running game going with Eckler. Uh, I think he had a fumble. Um, still think the Chargers are a better team. I think the Raiders could be better with a better QB. Like if Herbert played for the Raiders, um, the Raiders would be in the playoffs. Mm. Um, that's what I saw. Mm. Devontae Adams, just incredible performance. Top yeah. three receiver. Yeah, yeah I think I'll... Um going to have to look at the splits to know this for sure but I don't think that that offense was doing much in the beginning and it wasn't until Adam started kind of like going off and I think uh, well I think I know because I have him on my fantasy team but Josh Jacobs also had a great another great game um, so I was listening to the broadcast actually and it's it was kind of hilarious 
Adams at some point had like this deep dig route. I don't know if you guys were paying attention to this. And Adam Archuleta was explaining how uh, he was like, yeah, you know, like it, that's a testament to the offensive line because you have to give enough time for the route to develop because he threw it to the, to the far side hash instead of the near hash. So he's like going through all this intricate detail. And then Greg Gumbel's like, well, Adam, uh, who would he have thrown it to if he wasn't open? And there was like this awkward pause. And Adam was like, I don't know, Greg. Just like <laughs> he would have thrown it to like the hot read. I was like, dude, I, what what am I listening to right now? Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think Delonte Adams like is the story of this game. Like you guys were saying, uh, you know, I I, I was kind of skeptical a little bit because I wanted to see at the start of the season how he would be without Rodgers, but clearly like he does not need Aaron Rodgers to be a great receiver. Uh, he's kind of established that in and of himself. On the flip side, I do want to I do want to make a note that the Chargers, like, I don't know, man, like they just keep I keep waiting for them to kind of take that step, and for whatever reason, I'm I, I put a lot of this on on the head coach. I don't trust Staley at all, and I'm assuming that that's probably where a lot of this blames uh, a lot of the blame lies, uh, but. Uh, I think I think the Raiders just kind of got hot, or I guess those two players just kind of got hot and just carried them to victory here. Three in a row now for the Raiders. And like you mentioned, the Chargers, they just have a losing culture. It just repeats itself over and over and over for this franchise. doesn't matter if they're San Diego or L.A. I liked what Keenan Allen did there on that long touchdown pass. Good for him. He's being reintegrated into this offense it doesn't even matter, though. Eckler's a great player. Justin Herbert's great. Keenan Allen's great. It doesn't matter. Their culture is a losing culture, and it continues to be that way. So we'll move now to the San Francisco 49ers beating the Miami Dolphins 33-17 to in what was a Pyrrhic victory as Jimmy Garoppolo is injured and now done for the season, fellas. Mm. Big shame. Yeah, man. That's, that's a tough I was gonna say that's a tough break, but I don't. I don't want to. Literally, I, I didn't mean to make that joke. I mean, it, it, that sucks. You know, wish well for Jimmy G. I hope he has a speedy recovery and everything. But that's that's two things. One, that's an impressive win for San Francisco because I, I I did pick them to mm-hmm. win this game, but once uh, once Garoppolo went down, I didn't think they had much of a shot actually to keep up with the Dolphins. So for them to do that, to kind of put the clamps on that offense was impressive. Number two, this is huge. This is huge for the NFC playoff picture. Like looking at this big picture, because like we've been saying for the past few weeks, the 49ers were like that one team that I was like kind of eyeing here. Like this is a team that could go in anywhere and kind of like impose their will. Now it's like, I don't know. Can he, can Purdy kind of, you know, manage the game a little bit? I don't know, right? Like it's yeah. it's it, it's that's that's hard if you're a Niners fan today. Big time. As Nayef takes off his sunglasses, what do you think of this NFC juggernaut? No, no, Omar. The only thing worse than the Niners starting uh, Brock Purdy the rest of the way is for the Raiders to release Derek Carr and the Niners sign Derek Carr oh and start him <laughs> for the playoffs. That's the only <laughs> thing worse. Uh, no, man. I think Miami got away from. The game plan that was making them successful the past few weeks, which was uh, incorporating a lot of uh, Jeff Wilson runs. I mean, Raheem Mostert got most of the carries. 
Wilson was like almost non-existent in this game. But uh, maybe that's a testament to the Niners' defense stopping the run in general, not not involving Wilson. Uh, I think Waddle got hurt for a bit in the game. Uh, he was off for a stretch. That obviously hurt the Dolphins. But no, I, I, coming into the game, I thought the Dolphins would have their number, especially with McDaniel's uh, uh, experience with the Niners. I mean, he knows how that offense, or maybe it wasn't his offense, but I think the guy was a protege, right? Whoever's running their offense. He was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, he would have some, some idea, or at least the defense. And maybe he could expose them there, but that didn't really show. Tough for the Niners to lose Garoppolo, though. Um, there's no way they can go in with Brock Purdy as their quarterback and expect to make any noise in the playoffs. And with Garoppolo, I think they were Super Bowl contenders. So it's going to be interesting to see how they play that one. Yeah. But, yeah, their, def- their defense looked dominant. They have a great team. They have great depth everywhere but quarterback now. So that's what I saw. The uh, the Dolphins started this game with, I think, a 70- or 80-yard touchdown throw to Trent Sherfield. And I thought, man, that's it. Dolphins are out to the races. They're going to crush these Niners, put them in their place, offense over defense. Scored pe- 10 points the rest of the game. Uh the Niners' defense looks absolutely scary. The Niners' run game looks absolutely scary. And you know what? It might not even matter who, who plays quarterback for them because Debo can be a running back as well for them. And they can just throw it to uh, George Kittle and, and uh, Kyle Juszczyk and all these guys on short dump-off passes. And, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk can make athletic catches. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think it's going to matter who is at quarterback for them uh they might take a little bit of a step down but they just it, it quarterback is not the most important for this for this team they excel at defense and they excel at running and as somebody that's a fan of another nfc west team i'm still very scared of this team so we'll move on to what oi and they have came to this podcast to talk about the dallas cowboys beating the indianapolis colts 54 to 19 Go ahead, fellas. Floor is yours, man. Floor is yours. It's all you. It's all you. Okay, so I'm gonna kind of okay to toot my to toot my own horn a little bit. I said when we did the pick, I was like, I'm a little nervous about this defense. Like, I I don't want to pick a blowout because I'm a little nervous about this defense because the defense is like they're not great defense, but they're solid. You know, I think if Shaq Leonard was healthy, I think this would be a pretty good defense actually. Stephon Gilmore is still a good player. And for three quarters of that game, you know, even though the Cowboys weren't playing very well, uh, you know, for three quarters of that game, I think we kind of saw some of that. And then, like, the lid just, like, you know, they just blew the lid off in the fourth quarter. That's, I think, the second most points scored in the fourth quarter since 1925. Uh, The Cowboys have now had, since, I think, 2019, They've scored 50 or 40. I think it's 50. They scored 50 points four times. The rest of the league combined has scored three times. Uh, Since Dak has been back, they've been averaging 35 points a game. And the next highest is 29 points a game. The, The defense has the most sacks in NFL history through week 13. Like they're tied for the most sacks through NFL history through 13 weeks. 
So I'm saying all of this to say that the way that this team is playing, like they are getting hot at like a really good time. You know, Thanksgiving, right after Thanksgiving, this is when you want to start getting hot. I don't think that this win was more impressive than the Eagles win. I will give them that. But I think that this was the second most impressive win because of how they did it. Again, we didn't got guys like we our star players did not play well. Dak played okay. Like, you know, I'd give him like a B minus for the game. There were a couple of throws, something like that. Uh, Zeke didn't play like great. Micah didn't play great. Trayvon Diggs didn't play great. In fact, Diggs kind of gave up that one touchdown. Tank Lawrence didn't play great, but the fact that you were able to score like 50 points and beat a team by almost 40 when your star players didn't play well, that says a lot. And I think if they can continue to kind of clean this stuff up, you know, and kind of keep hammering out any of these miscommunications, any of these inconsistencies, we could hopefully, inshallah, be a very dangerous team. Like, you know, like I'm starting to... I'm starting to believe like I'm very, I'm very like, I'm very scared to say it, but like I saw a stat today. So the Cowboys lead the league now in point differential. And this is the first time since 1994 that they've done this. Uh, I think in like uh, through week 13, something like that. Oh, why brought the stats today? Yeah. like I, <laughs> what, what happened in 1994? NFC championship game, baby. So we were in the thick that was the thick of the dynasty right in the middle of the dynasty so I think that's that is impressive because if you look at the point differential leaders they're the best teams in the league like you can't make that up it's it's Cowboys Vikings uh, well Cowboys Eagles Chiefs Bengals I think the Vikings are up there like those are the point differential leaders and I think the Niners are up there too but like that is a really good indicator of who the good teams are, who the best teams are in the league. So that this is one instance where the stats definitely don't lie. And hopefully with these in the upcoming weeks, if our stars can, you know, start playing better, that's something to build on. Nave, chime in here on your beloved Cowboys. Man, what more can I say? I mean, oh, I've basically covered everything. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to believe. Definitely starting to believe. Uh, one one interesting thing about Trayvon Diggs, last year he had all those interceptions and people kept talking about the yards he'd given up. This year he's been handcuffing these top-notch wide receivers. And this was another performance. I think he, he there were a lot of plays where he was matched up against Michael Pittman. And I think Pittman was targeted once or twice and left without a catch with Diggs on him. Uh, he shut down McLaurin. He shut down Chase. He shut down A.J. Brown. This guy is unbelievable, and uh, he's really silencing the doubters this year. His defense, top to bottom, is insane. They're scary, man. They can generate a pass rush with just rushing four players. That even looks, and it's scary, man. Come playoff time, when you're able to do that, I think you allow the corners to play their game. And we lost Anthony Brown, who's uh, our starting cornerback, and he he gets a lot of flack for the holding penalties. But we had this fifth-round rookie jump in there, a sixth-round rookie. I don't know when he was drafted blind. And he had two interceptions. Malik Hooker playing his old team. He had a, uh, an interception return for a TD. He had a fumble recovery. His defense is scary, man. Uh, they look like a Super Bowl defense. 
I am starting to believe. I think the floor is the NFC Championship game. Um, I would guarantee a Super Bowl. I think I wrote this in the group. If Dak can limit those interceptions, I'm not saying they're all his fault. I'm just saying he doesn't have to press with the defense. That's, that's good. Just eliminate the mistakes, and you're gonna you're gonna be in every single game. If not dominating every single game, and I think that's what we saw. You know, it was a close game for three quarters. It's only a two-point game heading into the fourth quarter, and then boom, this explosion. So knowing that this defense can do that so late in the game, uh, if Dak can limit the turnovers, this team is going to Super Bowl, no doubt. Yeah, uh, Cowboys to me, as as a fan of another NFC East team, look very very scary as well. I mean, there's no, you can't argue with the blowouts of these teams. You know, when I saw them play blow out the Vikings at Minnesota, I thought, I mean, this team is legit. You know, they are absolutely a Super Bowl contender, and then they took care of the Giants, and then now they 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 blew out the uh, the, the Colts here. I will just say. A couple things about this team that I think could even take them to like absolutely the best team in the league. I thought during the trade deadline, like I mentioned to you guys, I thought they were going to pick up one of those top receivers, Jerry Judy or Chase Claypool, and I think that would have done a lot for this team, make them absolutely unbeatable. And then you mentioned Anthony Brown getting getting injured. I thought that they were going to pick up a cornerback as well. I thought they were going to take Sidney Jones from the uh, the the Seahawks. And now that I see Malik Coker is playing well, that might have just like filled that void there. He's defensive back or a safety, Malik Coker? Safety. Safety? Okay. He's playing, well, he's, he's playing amazing this year. Okay. Well, that second cornerback position, I, I guess we'll see what, what, what happens in that say. I don't know. Diggs might be good enough to, to play two cornerbacks. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But they look like an amazing team, legit team. And I'll continue to say this. Tony Pollard's greatness continues. Moving on to the last game here. We'll get through this quickly. Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the New Orleans Saints 17-16. to Oh, why? We kind of talked about this to, to start. Uh, Saints here blew a 16-3 to lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, Nayef, I'll give you the floor here. I know your favorite coach uh, is the coach of the Saints. Dude, this, guy, this, guy, this guy's horrible. This guy's horrible. I was watching this game live on the way to work. Uh, what the fuck? Sorry, sorry for the cursing, but... What the hell are you doing, man? What the hell are you doing? You're up 16-3. There's like seven minutes left. You have a third and one from midfield. A first down essentially ends the game, in my opinion. I think they, they get maybe at least three more points if they get a first down. You have Taysom Hill. You have Alvin Kamara. You have Mark Ingram. Let's rewind a bit. It was second and ten. They throw it to Mark Ingram. Picks up nine yards. Could have picked up an extra yard, but he stepped out of bounds. He avoided the hit. Dumb play by Mark Ingram. It's okay. It's third and one. Run the damn ball. He throws. He, I don't know who's in charge there, their offensive coordinator, whoever the hell it is, decides to throw a slant to Antonio Callaway. And they haven't even thrown the ball to Callaway all game. So I, I didn't understand that. I had no idea what they were trying to do there. It was incomplete. It was a drop. Fourth and one, they decide to punt it. We all know how the story ends. Tom Brady drives down the field. They score a touchdown. 16 to 10. Saints go three and out. Brady gets the ball again. And, of course, he's going to go down the field and score another touchdown. They win the game. We've seen this. We've seen this so many times. And the sad thing is, as bad as the Saints have been this year, with a win today, they could have been right in the thick of it. 
and Dennis Allen just lost another game to the Saints. That's what I saw. Yeah. Oh, why? Yeah, man. I I can't say it any better than he said it. I just like that was just infuriating. You had the game won, bro. Like you literally had the game won, and like I think nine percent. If your player, you know, Mark Ingram, like if your player makes a stupid like decision to not stay in bounds, not fight for the extra yard, then make up for it. You're the head coach. Run the ball. You know, run the ball yeah. twice. You have Kamara. You have Taysom Hill. Bro, even if you quarterback snuck it, you know, I would have I would have forgiven you if you didn't get it. Like, just try. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Get your chances. Yeah. Like, uh, this is kind of borderline, like, fireable stuff. I, I don't know if they'll do it. It's his first year, but this was just horrendous. And now we have to deal with, you know, the Brady Love Fest for another week. And, hey, kudos to him. He is the master at knowing – uh, you know, where to go in these moments with the ball, you know, how much time, how to manage the clock. Like, if you watch him, he's so flawless that he's not panicking. He'll take the check down. Like, he he will stretch out that clock to, you know, the maximum to ensure that he gets, you know, the most out of it. He'll, he will milk that clock to perfection. So that was, that, that was a masterful drive on his part. And I give him more credit for that than that Rams win from like last month or whenever that happened because mm. that was just like horrible defense. This one, I, I, I felt like the Saints were actually playing defense. It's just the defense never should have been in that position. They the the coaches failed the defense here. What what I want to know is what Dennis Allen deserved to get this job in the first place. When I see I saw his post game press conference and I thought to myself, this isn't a coach. This is a coordinator. And I think he's he's essentially fit to be a lifelong coordinator. And is it just because Sean Payton retired and he was like an assistant coach there? They didn't even do like a like a thorough head coach search. Or what is it about Dennis Allen that got him this job? I mean, they're in contention in the NFC South, but the entire division is in contention. Uh, there, there's nothing special about that. Uh, like you guys mentioned, I don't think he keeps this job. Uh, I will say one thing for the Buccaneers. Uh, it's cool to see Cade Auden emerge as a um, as a t- uh, as a tight end uh, for this team. I followed him in in college. I think he has a lot of potential here. And the Bucks, it just looks like they're gonna they're gonna take this division. I don't know how they're how much they're gonna do in the playoffs. They they have kind of a mid team. I'm not a big fan of their runners, uh, Fournette and Rashad White. Even though Rashad White caught the game winning pass, he didn't do anything all game running. Neither of them did. So these to me were a couple of mid teams, but. They made for an entertaining game. So that'll do it for the NFL Week 13 slate here. I want to thank you guys for jumping on. This has been the Football v. Football podcast. You can watch us on YouTube, as you probably are now if you're watching, or you can listen on several podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, uh, many. I think we're on 10 at this point, and you can support this podcast on Kofi, Omar Yusuf, NFG, Get back to work. It was great to have you on. Have a fantastic day, football fans. Take care, guys. Anytime. See you, fellas.